1 Chronicles chapter 9 So all Israel were listed by genealogies, and behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. Judah was carried away captive to Babylon for their disobedience. Now the first inhabitants who lived in their possession in their cities were Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the temple servants. In Jerusalem lived all the children of Judah, of the children of Benjamin, and of the children of Ephraim and Manasseh, Uthai, the son of Amihud, the son of Omri, the son of Imri, the son of Bani, of the children of Perez, the son of Judah, of the Shilonites, Asaiah the firstborn and his sons, of the sons of Zerah, Jael and their brothers, 690, of the sons of Benjamin, Salu, the son of Meshulam, the son of Hodaviah, the son of Hasanua, of Ibniah, the son of Jeroam, and Elah, the son of Uzi, the son of Mikri, and Meshulam, the son of Shephathiah, the son of Ruel, the son of Ibnijah, and their brothers, according to their generations, 956. All these men were heads of fathers' households by their fathers' houses. Of the priests, Jediah, Jehoiarib, Jachin, and Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Meshulam, the son of Zadok, the son of Meriah, the son of Ahitob, the ruler of God's house. And Adiah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Pashur, the son of Malkijah, the son of Maasai, the son of Adiel, the son of Jasserah, the son of Meshulam, the son of Meshulameth, the son of Emma, and their brothers, heads of their father's houses, 1,760, very able men for the work of the service of God's house. Of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashub, the son of Azrakam, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Merari, and Bakbakar, Heresh. Galal and Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zikri, the son of Asaph, and Obadiah, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Galal, the son of Jeduthun, and Berechiah, the son of Asa, the son of Elkanah, who lived in the villages of the Netophathites. The gatekeepers, Shalom, Akub, Talmon, Ahiman, and their brothers, Shalom was the chief, who previously served in the king's gates eastward, they were the gatekeepers for the camp of the children of Levi. Shalom, the son of Cori, the son of Abiasaph, the son of Korah, and his brothers of his father's house, the Korahites, were over the work of the service, keepers of the thresholds of the tent. Their fathers had been over Yahweh's camp, keepers of the entry. Phineas, the son of Eliezer, was ruler over them in time past, and Yahweh was with him. Zechariah, the son of Meshelamiah, was gatekeeper of the door of the tent of meeting. All these who were chosen to be gatekeepers in the thresholds were 212. These were listed by genealogy in their villages, whom David and Samuel the seer ordained in their office of trust. So they and their children had the oversight of the gates of Yahweh's house, even the house of the tent, as guards. On the four sides were the gatekeepers toward the east, west, north and south. Their brothers, in their villages, were to come in every seven days from time to time to be with them. For the four chief gatekeepers, who were Levites, were in an office of trust and were over the rooms and over the treasuries in God's house. They stayed around God's house because that duty was on them, and to their duty was its opening morning by morning. Certain of them were in charge of the vessels of service, for these were brought in by count, and these were taken out by count. Some of them also were appointed over the furniture and over all the vessels of the sanctuary, over the fine flour, the wine, the oil, the frankincense, and the spices. 
Some of the sons of the priests prepared the mixing of the spices. Mattathiah, one of the Levites who was first born of Shalom, the Korahite, had the office of trust over the things that were baked in pans. Some of their brothers of the sons of the Korathites were over the showbread to prepare it every Sabbath. These are the singers, heads of the father's households of the Levites, who lived in the rooms and were free from other service, for they were employed in their work day and night. These were heads of father's households of the Levites, throughout their generations chief men. These lived at Jerusalem. Jael, the father of Gibeon, whose wife's name was Maaka, lived in Gibeon, with his firstborn son Abdon, Zer, Kish, Baal, Nea, Nadab, Gedor, Ahio, Zechariah, and Mikloth. Mikloth became the father of Shimeam. They also lived with their brothers in Jerusalem, near their brothers. Ner became the father of Kish. Kish became the father of Saul. Saul became the father of Jonathan, Malkishua, Abinadab, and Eshbaal. The son of Jonathan was Meribbaal. Meribbaal became the father of Micah. The sons of Micah, Python, Melech, Tereah, and Ahaz. Ahaz became the father of Jerah. Jerah became the father of Alameth, Asmaveth, and Zimri. Zimri became the father of Mozart. Mozart became the father of Binia and Rephaiah his son, Eleazar his son, and Azel his son. Azel had six sons whose names are these, Azrikam, Bokaru, Ishmael, Shiariah, Obadiah, and Hanan. These were the sons of Azel. So that's the end of the nine chapters of genealogies. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so glad we made it through. And... Um, for a lot of people, it's an incredibly dull patch of the Bible. This is what Bert Kaufman wrote, one of the commentators that I regularly read. He said, These nine chapters, composed principally of genealogical tables, must, without doubt, be among the most neglected chapters of the Bible. <laughs> so I have to agree with him. It's most neglected. I found the book of Numbers much more interesting to read. And Numbers are easier to easier to compare with than I think the names. Because names, you don't know what they are, but numbers, you clearly know what a number is. And so it seems like, um, let's just get through these nine chapters and get into the rest of the Bible. And yet, there's such a wealth of information waiting here for the erstwhile biblical treasure hunter. And if you wanted to dig into this, you'd probably unearth things that no one else on earth has unearthed. And that's the wonderful thing about the Bible. It's like an onion with never-ending layers. You can go deeper and deeper and deeper. And if you were to say, you know what, I'm going to dig into these nine chapters, you would find things that no one has ever preached on. But most people don't. <laughs> and sadly, we're not going to dig into them. We've just said a few basic things about them, and we're moving on. You would never begin a modern book like this, with nine chapters like this. You people... You know, people give reviews of books. You can go to Amazon and you, you want to buy a book and you can give you can see what people have said about this book. They'll give it a rating out of five stars. And if there's a book that's, that starts out like this, people are going to give it one star. They're going to say, oh, it was so boring, I just put the book down and didn't continue. So this just clearly isn't the type of book that was... Um, you know, they thought very differently in ancient times, and books weren't common. 
So a book like this was a, a true resource. It wasn't necessarily just for entertainment, but it was a true resource. And it still is a resource for us today if we know how to unlock it. It's also a huge piece of evidence to suggest that the Lord is so authentic and so real, and there's such facts here in here for us. So we're gonna move on from tomorrow, from chapter 10. We're gonna spend one chapter on King Saul, and then we're gonna move into the life of King David again. So we're now going over stories that we've been over before. So we, when we were back in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel was all about Samuel and Saul and David, 2 Samuel was all about David, and just a little tiny bit at the end of that was you know, the end of David's life. We started just to get to Solomon, and then 1 Kings was Solomon, and the start of the other kings, and 2 Kings was all the rest of the kings. So in these four books, we had Samuel and Saul and David, Solomon, and then all the other kings. We're now going back to go over all of that again, except no Samuel, and instead of a whole half of a book on Samuel and Saul, one chapter on Saul only. So now we're going back over it, but it's different. The, 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 the focus is on different elements of the story. Some parts of the stories are gonna be repeated, but there's gonna be new things said that we never heard before. So it's a little bit like the book of Deuteronomy. You know, way back in the, the first five books of the Bible, we had the law being given. You know, on Mount Sinai, Moses went up there and he got the law and he came back. And the second half of Exodus and the book of Leviticus were all the giving of the law. And then Numbers was, you know, stories from the desert. And then, then Deuteronomy, we've got the law all over again, what we had in Exodus and Leviticus, but said in a different way. And it was explained, in fact, Deuteronomy is the easier way to read it. It was said better. And now we've got that. We've got like a revision or a re-going over these stories but now it's more like from God's perspective. Whereas before it was more like a historical account from the perspective of people on the ground. For example, when we get to the story of David, we don't have all the detail of, of, um, of you know, the Bathsheba story, for example. It's just from God's perspective, a man after my own heart. So things are just told differently and the perspective is different. So on one hand, the, the chronicler, He's written after all of this, like a long time after all of this, whereas the book of Samuel was written while it was actually happening. So you've got the prophets Gad and Nathan. I think it's prophet, the prophet Gad was with David as he went through these stories. So he's telling it like a historical account as it happened, and that's so wonderful. We get to, to know what it was like to be David. But it's almost like now we're getting the theological version of it. You know, the version from God's perspective, like what did it all mean? So it's, even though it's not teaching straight out, it's more of a teaching than the other one was. So this is more of a God's perspective on it, whereas previously it was more like, a, even though it was still God, it was more like the on-the-ground perspective as it happened. So we're going to recover some material, but with a different perspective. But there's going to be new material added in that wasn't there before. And that's interesting because the author, the chronicler, he has sources available to him, as well as the Lord guiding him, that weren't there at the time those other accounts were written. So we're gonna find that even though we're repeating some stuff, it's rich in a different type of a way. So join me tomorrow as we start that. So Lord, I wanna thank you for the genealogies. <laughs> I also thank you we got through them. And I ask you to bless us now as we start with the, the, 
narrative from the throne's perspective, the, you know, the throne of heaven from heaven's perspective. So Lord, bless our journey as we continue it tomorrow in Jesus' name. Amen.